Hi guys. Hello everyone, and welcome back to the It's Not Just Black and White podcast. First,、uh, we just want to say thank you so much to such the positive feedback on the first episode. Yeah, we got a lot of responses that we didn't think we were gonna get, and it's it's really much appreciated. So thank you guys a lot. Yeah, your support and kindness truly means the world to us, and your time is valuable. And the fact that you want to spend it with us is just honestly such an honor. So thank you so much for sharing this experience with us. We're so happy to be doing this, and we're really happy to have you guys along on this wonderful journey that we're gonna explore together. Yeah, thank you for taking those nice forty、uh, uh, some odd minutes out of your day. Forty-two minutes, I think. Forty-two minutes, exactly. Yes, thank you. All right, so、uh, Mark, how I haven't seen you in like two weeks, a week and a half. Because Mark and I, we live in two different states, so we don't、yeah. see each other as often. She's in Jersey. I'm in New York.、Yeah. I think we might have mentioned that in the yeah, first episode. Yeah, we did. But、uh, yeah, I've been good.、Um, you know, same things.、Uh, still auditioning, going to work, the same old routine. Oh, Mark's gonna be on FBI's Most Wanted. No, no, I'm excited.、Uh, yeah, so、uh, if you guys do watch that, tune in. It's on CBS. So channel two for some for most people. Ooh, so excited! So tune in if you guys watch that. You're gonna be great. And then I'm also gonna be starring in a movie with Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh my gosh! Sometime in the near future, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish. I'm sure you will. You're you're gonna get there. <laughs> But uh, Kara, so how are you doing? What's going on with you? What is new with you? I'm good. I actually have something interesting to say. So after the first do episode, tell, do tell. I will. After the first episode,、um, my mom, shout out to Evelyn, she's amazing and I love her. She, you know, came up to me. She was like, "So I listened to the podcast, and with oh, Mark just gave me a kiss on the cheek." <laughs>、um, she was like, "So I listened to the podcast, and I was like, that doesn't sound, you know, reassuring." And I was and like, "I hated it. <laughs> yeah, I just hated it." <laughs> and I was like, "What?" I was like, "What did you think?" And she was like, "Well, you talked a lot about you talked a lot about dad." And you didn't say anything about me, and I was like, "Mom, not everything's about you being like sassy." <laughs> and she was like, "Well, I just don't really understand why you didn't because I'm Puerto Rican, I'm a POC." And she's like, "I just don't understand why you wouldn't mention that." And I was like, "Oh my gosh, Mom, I am so sorry. I didn't because because I'm Puerto Rican and Italian, and I feel like my family we just really embrace the Italian side of you know our heritage, and、mm-hmm. um, we spend a lot of time with." The Italian side of my family,、um, but my mom, she is a beautiful Puerto Rican woman, and I completely did not mention that. And so this is the official、uh, apology to my mother because she deserves to be recognized. She's a Puerto Rican queen. You apologize to that Puerto Rican woman. <laughs> I know that beautiful woman. So I love being Italian. I love being Puerto Rican, but I think I need to get back to my roots so I、mm-hmm. never forget about. My Puerto Rican queen, <laughs> <laughs> of course, absolutely, and obviously, I feel like you. Obviously, there was no malintent. No, of course. Because, of, like, like you said, you've been uh more on the、uh, Italian side of your culture.、Mm-hmm. You've been like more on that side, so subconsciously, you probably just didn't think to acknowledge that. Yeah. But yeah, so it's good that she gave you some insight on that.、Too. Yeah. No. Forever learning and unlearning, and I'm very grateful for the people who will teach me more about. Race and ethnicity, and yeah, I just felt like I need to mention that because I owe my my mother Evelyn an apology. So shout out to my mom, 
Thanks for being great. Thanks for your honesty. Shout out to Miss Evelyn. Yeah, Miss <laughs> Evelyn. But all right, so yeah, you want to uh, go into the topic for this episode, Karen? Yeah. So this week we're gonna talk about um, BIPOC, Black, Indigenous, people of color representation in the media. Um, so in television, in film, commercial, social media, all that stuff. And we actually are very blessed to have a guest on our show. We're going to have Mark's sister, Jade, on the show because both Mark and Jade are actors under the same management. And I think it'll be really exciting and interesting to hear both of your experiences in this industry. Yeah, IFM, Ingrid, (laughs) shout out to you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Because I've had, you know, experience uh, on certain TV shows and certain things that I've been casting and also just looking from an outsider's perspective mm-hmm. uh i've had a lot of insight on that that i've you know had some thoughts about and wanted to speak on and, and touch on and i know you've had some too that you wanted to speak on as well yeah sure and one thing in particular that i found interesting i remember doing a project in uh in class a couple of years ago when i was still in school and it was about literally representation of people in color in the media and how you know, the breakdown of people in color in the U.S. and things like that um, versus the percentage they are in in commercials and film Mm -hmm. and how, you know, Native Americans in particular, they make up about, which is crazy because they Oh, happy Native American Heritage Month, everybody. Sorry, you just reminded me. Go out and learn more about Native American Heritage. (laughs) Sorry, continue. You Um, just reminded me. No, yeah, which is crazy because they make up like one or less than 1% of the country, which is crazy because this literally used to be their whole uh country Mm -hmm. and it was so crazy because when i was doing this project i had to look at commercials and the uh the race of people in the commercials and one commercial it looked like there was the the people in the commercial were native american or some indigenous uh, ethnicity and the commercial was about diabetes and then when i did further research apparently uh native americans you know, suffer most uh, percentage-wise from diabetes in the country. So it's just crazy that even though they make up less than 1%, the commercial that was about diabetes had Native Americans in it. So they're only in commercials. They're only more represented about an issue that affects them. But when it comes to just, you know, standard issues, you know, you really don't see Native Americans represented. So that was just one thing that I found interesting. That is really interesting. Yeah, about... um, you know minority representation yeah well we'll get you know more into that with jade and um you know go in depth with that topic thank you for sharing that that's very interesting and perfect for awareness for native american uh, heritage month so that's exciting but absolutely before we get into our interview with jade um you know just gonna throw a little history at you so since we're gonna be talking about movies and film and representation I thought it was important, or we felt it was important to kind of highlight some um, important figures in film. So the first person, her name is Hattie McDaniel. Um, She was the first African-American, not just African-American actress, first African-American actress or actor that received an Oscar in her performance in Gone with the Wind from 1940. And she played a housemaid and a former enslaved woman. Um, She won Best Supporting Actress. Unfortunately, she did die of breast cancer on October 26, 1952. 
Um, so she was 59 years old, which is a very tragic loss, but she paved the way and we just wanted to take the time to highlight her, thank her for her accomplishments, praise her talent, and, um, you know, really celebrate all the hard work and ac accomplishments that she achieved. Also, since we're touching on uh, my Puerto Rican side, I want to <laughs> shout out um, the first Puerto Rican actor, uh, Jose Ferrer. Ho Jose Ferrer, that's his name. Um, he won Best Actor in 1951 for his performance in the movie Serrano de Barac. That's what it is. The so, Barac. Shout out to Jose. He also unfortunately died in 1992 of cancer. And we also want to shout out uh, Rita Moreno. She was the first Puerto Rican actress who won um, an Oscar for her performance in West Side Story as Anita in 1962. She won Best Supporting Actress. She also is one of the few people who has won an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. She a EGOT. Mm-hmm. And right now, she is living her truth, thriving at 88 years old. Shout out to Hattie, Jose, and Rita for being icons. And Whoopi Goldberg, another person of color who is also an EGOT. I feel like really? a lot of people don't know that. Really? Including you. See? I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, she oh has my a, gosh. Uh, she won a Grammy for a comedy album, I believe. Really? Yeah, Emmy for, I guess, some guest appearance on a TV show. Oscar, I believe, for either a performance in Ghost or The Colored Purple. I don't remember which one it was. And then uh, a Tony for uh, whatever play she did. But she got an EGOT. Oh, what That's an EGOT queen. Oh. Yeah. So we just want to say thank you to all these amazing, you know, actors and actresses for paving the way, for being incredible and celebrate their talent and their achievements. But, um, yeah, so I think we'll just get right into the interview with Jade. Do you have anything else to say before we get in there, Mark? No, I'm good. Let's let's bring my sister downstairs because we're in the house right now. Yes, so. in the in the basement. Yeah, so just, <laughs> let's let's call her down. Alright, talk to you guys soon. Yep, we'll be back. And welcome back guys. Uh our guest has arrived from upstairs, uh, Jade Kane. Why yeah. don't you introduce yourself and tell the world <laughs> a little bit about yourself, sister? Sure. Okay, <laughs> well, as Mark said, I'm his sister. She calls me Eric in real life. I call him, Yes, I call him by his middle name. Our whole family does. Um, I'm 27 years old, and I am an actress. And the way I actually got into acting, it was kind of a Let him know. Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say it because it was me. No. <laughs> oh, come on. It was. I was even professionally, professionally. No. Well, continue with your story. Oh, um, are you going to be cutting me off a lot during this? I actually was no, going to say, no. I actually was going to mention, please don't cut her off because you have a tendency when you have family debates, I feel like you have a tendency oh, yeah. to jump in. Yeah, I was going to mention that. But anyway, continue, Jade. <laughs> um, I was just going to say it was a kind of a long road for me because of my own insecurities when it came to mm. the industry. Um, so when I graduated college, I actually went into corporate America first for three years before mm -hmm. finally taking the plunge and just going for it mm -hmm. um, because I love it. 
you have to love acting to be in this industry because otherwise it will just destroy you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you have to love it. Uh, but yeah, what else can I say about myself? I'm black and beautiful yes. and blessed. <laughs> I love the confidence. I you love that. Also, um, you both are under the same management. We are. So I think that's what Mark was referring to when that's he tried to, to bring, claim yeah. my... Yeah, uh, claim her success. Yeah. No, I mean, I was just Do not stop I, this queen. I was just going to say, I put her on to my agent or manager. So, sorry, shout out to Ingrid French. But um, I didn't know that you actually were insecure and that's why you started your job at um, A&E. It, well, that it was... It was start... That was, it was more so financial insecurity. Like, Mm. obviously you grow up and you have to earn, (laughs) you know, earn your living and, and have a stable, you know, a stable source of income and all that. And obviously my parents, they're in the workforce. Everyone in my family's in the workforce. So it's just all around you, you know, you get a nine to five, you work, you earn, you save, and you build a life. Mm-hmm. Um, when you get into an entertainment industry, it's not as um, consistent and it's not as secure, let's say. You really are, you're going out on a kind mm-hmm. of a, yeah, it's a risk. And you work hard and you hope and yeah, the success rate is not very high, but again, like I said, if if it's something you love, then you don't have to be making, you know, all the big bucks. You could be just making enough to get by and to live your life, but because it's something that you love, you continue to do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the financial insecurity of it all scared me, and I wanted to make my family proud and show and I'm also very independent so I wanted to be making my own money and not have to worry about having to borrow from people Mm -hmm. and so yeah so that was on my mind for those three years but I was also just not really happy and I would always think like oh but what if what if and then I had friends that went Mm -hmm. right into it after college and Mm -hmm. you know were living their dream and I was jealous and I was envious and I was like why I wish I could be doing that. Why aren't I doing that? And finally I was like, I'm going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that in the last couple years that you've started, I think you both have been extremely successful, oh, which is you. why we wanted to have you on and Mark on here about your experience because as black actors and actresses, we wanted to hear about your experience in the industry itself. Um, so if you want to speak on either of you ladies first, you know, on how maybe specific roles have you ever felt stereotyped have you ever felt like what was your experience going into this and has there been any added pressures because of your skin color just kind of give us the your perspective as an actress in the terms of with your race and after you answer that i have a follow-up you have a follow-up okay um well in terms of stereotyping really i've only I think had one experience and it was actually for a voiceover so Mm. mind you this wasn't even about my appearance but for those who don't know when they do casting calls for voiceover sometimes they do specify a specific race um and i guess because that goes with the idea that certain races sound certain ways which shouldn't be a thing now i will say based on your experiences and your cultures yes you may be 
you might have a different dialect or a different way of saying certain words, yes. Um, but I think to just generalize, you know, the way one one whole race sounds is is pretty inaccurate. But so yeah, so for voiceovers, there's casting calls for specific races. Obviously, I'll get called <laughs> if it's for African American um, voiceover artist. And so I went in for an audition, obviously pre-COVID, and I say I say the script. And the the casting director goes, okay, okay, okay. Um, can you give us a little bit more more sass? Can you can you be a little bit more sassy? Like your attitude, like if you were just talking to your friend. I actually remember uh, you telling me this story. And <laughs> I was just kind of like, well, this is actually how I'd speak when I am speaking to my friends. You know, I understand I'm black, but not all black girls are like the sassy black girl. Mm. The girls always have the attitude and. Obviously, the casting director was white. Um, and in my head, I'm just, it's just funny to me because I'm like, the the words that they use to kind of get around saying what they really want to say, you know, oh, can you can you talk a little bit more black? Can you, can you give us a little bit more of the, you know, flavor, mm. black flavor? Yeah. But they'll use words like sass and attitude. You know, I just think it's a pretty outdated stereotype. Um, yeah, that's so annoying. Yeah. So that that is really the only time where I felt like I was being asked to fit into a specific stereotype as opposed to just being me as a black woman saying the lines the way I would say it. Mm-hmm. So my follow-up was, so you just answered how you felt stereotyped when you were uh, going for auditions and asked to speak a certain way. So my question is, you were talking about in the beginning how... In general, it is being hard uh, to be an actor, where it's uh, whether it's insecurities and opportunities and things of that nature. So, with being an African American woman, do you think I probably already know the answer to this question? But do you think why are you an African American woman? <laughs> no, the answer that you're gonna say. Do you think you've experienced uh, even harder situations and opportunities going to it? And if you did, uh, uh, elaborate on that. I mean, I think that goes without saying. Mm-hmm. And in what way? <laughs> well, just the amount of opportunities, period. Mm-hmm. Um, like, when I first started looking for my own audition, like, before I had a manager and I was just on, like, Actors Access and Backstage, um, the way those sites work is you obviously you put in your race and your age range, and they will send you all of the casting calls that you fit. And it was funny because at first, the only ones that I would get were the ones that were open to all ethnicities. So it, was, it didn't specify like, mm-hmm. oh, this is for a black actress. It was all ethnicities. So you could be selected for this, but also every other ethnicity can apply for this. And then when I would look just at all the casting calls, like without having, you know, without filtering for my race and age, I would see so many casting calls that would be, you know, that would ask for Caucasian, 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 like it would specify Caucasian, but then everything else was like all ethnicities. And of course there were a couple um, that would say, yes, we're okay, we're looking for an African-American. But then also, 
So within the industry, not only do we have to deal with, you know, less opportunities for African-American women in general, but then the shade of our skin also plays a part in it. Because then when I would see like, oh, you know, for African-American, it would be for mixed. And so obviously, you know, I would not pass for a mixed person, a, a mixed woman. So in those situations, they're obviously looking for a lighter skinned black woman. And you see that in the industry too. A lot of the times, especially with young black women in the roles that you see on TV and film, they tend to be lighter skinned. Um, the the actresses that get, you know, the most attention and accolades, you know, they're the Zendayas of the world. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, beautiful woman. Yeah. An actress. Future wife. You okay. say with your <laughs> girlfriend right here. I want to date her too, so it's a fight who can get to her first. <laughs> but yeah, so it's definitely tough. And um, I think that that's why it's so important to get people that look like me and that come from my experience behind the camera that are the ones that are creating the content Mm -hmm. um because you know hopefully they would then give people that look like them and that share their experiences opportunity like the jordan peels of the world the misha greens the lena waves so so more viola davis's and angela (laughs) bassett's is what you're saying no, I was talking about behind the cameras. Oh, so behind like the, the Lena Waits, so, so, the Misha so Green. So what Jordan I'm saying Peels. is so we can get more Viola Davises and Angela Bassett's and Kerry Washington's. And, and well, yeah. Well, those are all actresses that have been given opportunity. They're, they're what you want to aspire to. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also so many great act, black actresses that I feel like are underrated. Like, do you know who Anjanou Ellis is? She is yeah. probably, you You know her. She's in so many things that people have seen, and yet I feel like her name is not as known as the Angela Bassett's and the Viola Davis. She was in um, When They See Us. She's in Lovecraft Country. I don't know if you've seen that yet. She mm-hmm. was in the movie about the Clark sisters. I think I know who you're talking about. And When They See Us, was she the, the one of the mothers? Yes. Yeah, she's in... That show claws. No, that no. Anj, I'm telling you, Google her I, face. Oh, I I'm think, gonna, I think I'm gonna now show I think, you her now face. I think because you know there's only so many people and when they see it, so I think I know exactly who you're talking about now. Yeah, I was gonna say. So Jade, you're talking about how there aren't enough women, you know, behind the camera, in front of the camera, and you know, growing up because we want to talk about representation. That's what I want a lot of people to take away from this. Growing up, do you feel like you saw? enough women who looked like you in the media do you feel like there was lack oh, of no. that no did not that at discourage all. you at all like how did that impact your you growing up maybe subconsciously um i don't think i thought about it as much in terms of my own opportunities because i think i always told myself like acting was something i wish i could do but like obviously i'm going to go into a 9 to 5 cuz like yeah. i said just growing up like that was the mindset So it always just seemed like a fantasy that was not attainable for myself. So um, I don't think consciously I was thinking about like, oh, I won't have that many opportunities because I don't even see people that look like me. Uh, But maybe subconsciously that did play a role in it and added to the reasons I was giving myself to not go 
for acting, you know, as soon as I could. Because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, I couldn't, I can't think of any... Like, someone, like, that really inspired you when you were a kid, like, someone right off the bat. Um... So I know right well, I now. I watched a lot of Disney as yeah. <laughs> so I watched a lot of animated yeah. <laughs> movies and shows. Um, but even in that, you know, yeah, so I think aside from the Proud Family, I can't think the of um. Very nice. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mark. Um, <laughs> um, I can't think of you know animated characters that look like myself until yeah yeah, tiana came out tiana and even so i remember well two things right now a lot of i saw when the election ended with kamala harris there have been so many videos i was telling mark earlier today there have been so many videos of like little girls in front of the screen being like she looks like me like i can do that i can be like that and that is so important especially with women in power Mm -hmm. so that's a whole different topic but you know the fact that these kids now are being able to finally see that and it's still not enough is definitely upsetting but with the tiana do you remember when wreck it ralph 2 came out and they put tiana in it <gasps> do you yes. remember and they whitewashed they changed, her yeah mm-hmm. i do i do. it's just so ridiculous and i can't even wrap my head around the person who whose idea it was mm-hmm. who who thought like you know let's let's do this is gonna be a good idea no one's gonna notice or no one's gonna have a problem with this Mm -hmm. you know just the the thought that he had to change her or she had to change her i don't know who the animator was it just is the most ridiculous thing to me yeah no it really is so that made me just think about how there i feel like there are a lot of movies that can easily be uh that are filled with white people and white protagonists that could that could be filled with a lot of black people. And it had me and Carrie thinking before about the difference between how a lot of movies that are predominantly black are considered black movies instead of just movies that happen to have black people in it. And I don't know if you see it that way and what do you think can be done to change that? Or if, I don't know if you even see it that way. Well, can you give some examples of like movies that are quote unquote black movies and then movies that have black people within them? Like, can you be more specific for me? Okay, so I feel like that's a good. So I feel like, like is that that's, that's what you're yeah, getting I, at? Yeah, I feel like what what people widely consider black movies are when it has to do with like the culture. So like, a Boys in the Hood or Juice or even like a a lottery ticket, for example. I just say lottery because I, I just saw that the other day. Um, but I feel like, like a, every Tyler Perry movie. Yeah, it, well, exactly. <laughs> so those would be considered quote unquote black movies. Yeah. But for movies like I would say Love and Basketball, that oh, is like great that is movie. that is literally a movie that can easily have white people play those characters and things like that so i just feel like in that situation where there are a lot of movies that white people can relate to where it's just a movie about a family or a certain situation can easily have black characters in those films as well and i feel like there's not enough uh, i guess representation with movies like that i feel like when it's movies predominantly black people it has to be delegated to a black movie instead of just and kind of like perpetuating black stereotypes yeah exactly instead of just having a a movie about a normal plot with just black people in it exactly yeah uh what's your take on that or do you feel that way um well i do agree that typically if 
the movie is predominantly black. We call it a black movie. But I was just, I was having this conversation with my mother the other day. I was like, I feel like we tend to emphasize the blackness on things that are run by black people. We tend to emphasize the blackness of it, like black owned businesses. Like, I don't know if you've ever heard anyone call a business white owned, but mm -hmm. I digress. Um, are you are you asking me if I have a problem with things being to the black or, or just my opinion on- Either. <laughs> um, no, I don't. I don't particularly care for calling a movie a black movie. I don't. I. I think a movie is a movie. Um, it could be a movie on black experiences, but I think people who are not black, people of other races and ethnicities and cultural black, cultural black rounds, cultural backgrounds should also watch those films. I. I feel like I don't. I don't ever want to separate a movie, um, with predominantly black actors by saying this is a black movie because you are you can you have eyes you see that this movie is about black people and so you're assuming it'll be about the black experience their black experiences um i think languaging is very important and it's important not to use divisive language and that's not to say that we should not elevate black success Let's be very clear. I'm not saying to not elevate or emphasize black success, but I think that it's also important, in my opinion, to not create a divide. You know, I would be pissed if somebody was like, oh, or would I? I, I wouldn't be pissed, but I just, I wouldn't care for someone to be like, oh, this is a white movie. AJ, do you want to watch this white movie? Like, I can see this movie has all white people in it. If the storyline sounds like something interesting to me, I'll watch it. If it doesn't sound interesting, I won't watch it. Um, it has nothing to do with yeah, the race the, of the people and, and in that's the That's what I'm saying. Do you feel like there should be more movies that were just, you know, general uh, plots or plots that people see every day that, should ju that could just have well, there, predominantly there... black people in them? Because I, I, I personally feel like that's what I'm saying, that we don't see enough of that. Like generic plots that we see every day when we well, go to the theater. Yeah, just... <laughs> obviously that's like historically, yeah. Hollywood is uh, a whitewashed <laughs> industry. Yeah. So, um, and that's that's the problem, right? And I just want to also really quick touch back on, um, in my experience, also when when people are talking about black movies or when they refer to a movie as a black movie, um, it's not usually it's because they don't usually consider it to be of the same quality of mm. another you know of a movie with white people mm. or predominantly mm. white people in it well, like I feel like... I feel like they use it as a way to diminish the quality of a movie um and I don't like that either I think mm. it's usually one of those movies where it tries to emphasize the fact, like, the idea that there's, like, the funny black friend. Mm. And I feel like the plots tend to have to be something, like, exaggerating the fact that these characters are hilarious or that mm -hmm. they're quirky and they're, mm -hmm. like, doing, like, in Tyler Perry movies or in that movie A Haunted House, that just, like, came to my brain. Like, just movies like that where it's just making it, you know, perpetuate this idea that you have to be the funny mm -hmm. black 
supporting person. I was talking about this also <laughs> with friends the yeah, other day. I'm doing that. I want to hear your take. On um, that. when it comes to like adding in the black best friend to a movie, mm -hmm. or when you when you see the sprinkling in of, you know, ethnic characters, and while in some cases, um, sure you can say that it's us making strides towards including more actors and actresses of color in mainstream film but on the other side of it as well you know you just have to question you know are you actually trying to show diversity in the stories you're telling on screen or are you just trying to give the appearance um of it and the way to tell that is you look at the characters that they have and you ask yourself, are these characters being fully developed on their own? Mm. Aside from, you know, the white characters. Or are they just put there to help develop the story of the white character? So, um, there's a video that I just watched the other day on Facebook that, ex that discussed this very well, in my opinion. They were like, we've seen, you know, the black character over history in the role of the mammy you know the the caretaker for the children and the housekeepers and then you've seen the the black best friend you've mm -hmm. seen that so these are all like supporting roles that are not there to be developed to to be a representation of true diversity they're there as kind of like uh uh to cover the Creator. Cover the quota. Yeah, exactly. The Cover quota. the thank you. Cover the quota <laughs> of quote unquote diversity without having to actually be fully fully developed as characters. I think a think. really great example I'm sorry, Mark. I think a really great example of just looking at that stereotype Mark and I watched recently the movie Another Teen Movie or mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That same in the movie, yeah, not and another teen movie, yeah. they literally in it they have the there's a black side character and he was like I'm just here to say something funny or say the word damn anytime yeah. something happens. Boy, that's whack. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's now when whack. he meets another black character, he's like, "Whoa, man, what are you doing here? I'm I'm supposed to be only the black guy here." And the other black guy's like, "Oh, my my bad, man. I'm sorry about that." It's like, yeah, because traditionally there's there's only that one token character, mm -hmm. so they're like playing on that stereotype. Like, this is how movies generally are, but. Based on what you were saying, it made me think uh, one problem that I think uh, Hollywood does tend to have, and David Oyelowo also spoke on this, so I want to get your take, is that we are kind of even celebrated when we are either playing a stereotypical version of ourselves or when we're playing our the uh, oppressed version of ourselves. So mm. what um kind of like what you said, Kara, when you Facts. brought up um, the Mammy character... Oh, um, yeah. Um, we talked about in the intro before you got here, um, Hattie McDaniel. Yeah, she Hattie was the McDaniel. first black or African-American person Twins to win an Oscar. So, yeah. exactly. And so she, she played uh, Mammy yeah. exactly. in Gone with the Wind. So, so that's that's the point I was making. And then Lupita Nyong'o, when she won an Oscar for 12 Years a Slave, or Denzel Washington. Oh, this is such facts. Or, <laughs> I'm sorry. or Denzel Washington, when he won his first Oscar for Trading Day, when he played a, a crooked cop, you know, a criminal. Yes. And things of that nature. And, and David Oyelowo, who played uh, Martin Luther King in Selma, he mm -hmm. actually spoke out on that. And then it, I would say it kind of changed maybe a little bit when um, Daniel Kaluuya was nominated for Get Out. But at the same time, it was again playing an oppressed version a little bit of, of ourselves. So mm -hmm. um, you, you obviously seem to be agreeing. So 100,000%.
I do, yes. And um instead of being like getting awards for like just playing, you know, uh, like a regular, regular like character. a regular dude. Yes. Or a woman or a person and yes. anything. Yeah. Oh, isn't that something? Isn't that something? <laughs> that they they love to uh acknowledge and give accolades to us when we portray probably the characters that they see us as still today. Ooh. Like they Ooh. can't they they can't get past yeah. That they can't see us past that. Mm-hmm. I like think, just the fact that there yeah. hasn't been another best actress Oscar to a black woman, best lead actor, excuse me, since Halle Berry is ridiculous. Two thousand one? Yeah. Ridiculous. That's Especially when you have women like Viola Davis and Angela Bassett in the game. Yeah. Please. Yeah. No, definitely. That kind of makes me want to talk about, Mark was telling me maybe like a couple weeks ago about the new rules with the Oscars Mm -hmm. and that you know more about that. If you could please educate me because I, ooh, pull it out, girl. If you could just (laughs) educate me on that because I don't know and Mark uh, mentioned to me briefly, but he said that you know a lot about it. So if you just want to fill us in on that. Yes. Um, So beginning in 2024... I believe, is when these will go into effect. Very interesting. That's kind of far away. <laughs> of course, they have to give a, people uh, their, their, their leeway. They're like, okay, guys, oh, because, I get guess. all your whitewashed filming out now because come 2024. <laughs> pre-production and everything like that. So Right, or like already, films that have already been yeah, so in development. Like, right, 2024. Um, yeah, I have mixed feelings about this as well. Like, it kind of annoys me that there has to be a rule in place in order to have better diversity in the industry, but at the same time, I guess you got to start somewhere, right? Mm. Yeah, I remember how I felt. Well, go explain and yeah, I'll see how I feel. Um, fill me in. So starting 2024, um, a film has to meet... There are There's four, like, standards that the Oscars have come up with in order to have more diversity both in front and behind the camera. And in order to be considered for an Oscar award, a film has to meet at least two of those criteria. So I'll just give you the the uh, the headings on each criteria, or standards as they call it. The first one is um, that a film has to have a lead or significant, at least one lead or significant supporting actor from an underrepresented uh, racial or ethnic group. Um, at least 30% of the actors in secondary and mi- secondary and minor roles have to be from two underrepresented groups, um, and that includes women, LGBTQ+. And then the last in this uh, first standard is that the main storyline or subject matter has to be centered on an underrepresented group. That's, that's the first standard. So those are obviously like the three subsets of the first standard. The second standard is um, about the creative leadership roles. So at least two of the creative leadership positions has to be from underrepresented groups. So think casting director, cinematographer, costume designer, like those roles have to have at least um, two underrepresented groups. Uh, Other key roles, so 
first AD, script supervisor, they have to have at least six people, crew, crew positions from underrepresented groups. And then at least 30% of the film's crew has to be from an underrepresented group. Uh, the third standard is about paid apprenticeship, apprenticeships and internship opportunities. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's actually, I wouldn't have even thought about that. But yeah, so they have to have, um, they have to have opportunities for people in underrepresented groups. And training opportunities and skill development, same rule. And then the last standard, so this is the fourth standard, is uh, called audience development. So the film has to have ah multiple in-house senior executives from underrepresented groups. So think about like the marketing team or the publicity team or the distribution teams. Oh. They yes. So think of that. Um, yeah. So those are the four standards and the what each of the standards includes and a film has to meet at least two of those in order to be considered for an oscar wow yeah i can see how that kind of has you guys have or jade you have mixed feelings on that yeah i just think the fact that we had a need for it is frustrating and also the fact that i'm sure we're going to get pushback from it um, you know, people saying like that this is a way to control their creative expression. And I was thinking to myself today, the playing field has been unequal for so long that I think that this representation of equalization is uncomfortable for the white community because to them it may seem like now we're getting unfair advantage because they're they've been used to a certain way and a certain standard for so long mm -hmm. that just us getting our fair share seems like we're getting more than them because they're living in this world where they think that everything is fine and equal or at least that's what they make it seem like they think. Yeah. I personally think that they know mm. that it's unfair, but it works for them, so they're just quiet about it. But for those who truly think that, like, you know, we've gotten our fair share because we're not in chains anymore, that they think that, you know, everything's okay because we're not, like, blatantly, you know, treated as second-class citizens, um, <laughs> they think that it's all good in the hood, but... It's not, and so obviously we're going to continue to fight for progress and equality, and that's just in the. It's going to make them uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. and, you know, no one's trying to control anyone's creative expression, but there comes a point in time where you have to ask yourself: if you're not making a movie on a specific culture, like if it's not a culture film, and it's fictional, why do you need to cast white actors? Yeah. You know, and I get it. Sometimes people write stories from their experiences. And so if they are, or have only been exposed to other white people, that that's what their, where their comfort zone is. Um, but at the end of the day, that's not reflective of the world that we live in. Yeah. So, 
The only thing I felt about it, because I agree with everything you just said, I just didn't want it to feel like like a handout. Like, they need to be... The, uh, so now it's just like, okay, so we need to hire these people so we can qualify for Oscar content. So we're only hiring them mm. because they're because they're black or a person of color so now that's a good point so that that's just what i didn't want it to feel like because i i also want us to earn our opportunities so that's the only uh reason i felt like uh had mixed feelings about this uh it's unfortunate that it just can't happen on its own so i don't know how i would like twist that or adjust that uh rule but that's my only like confliction with it yeah i would say no definitely i feel like it could either be really great or extremely problematic i don't really know if i can see based off like what i just what you just explained i really don't know if i could see too much of an in-between because i don't know it just sounds but who knows yeah yeah but um something that i did want to talk about um something that actually bothers me a lot is um the idea of like the white savior complex which Mm -hmm. i think this is a great segue into that because we were just talking about how things are always centered about white people or like whitewashed and like for example I think a really good example of that is the blind side Mm -hmm. um where Sandra Bullock she like appeared as the protagonist or as the hero of the story and Michael Orr's character just was kind of thrown to the side when really it was his story where he should have been appreciated but it was more so about the fact that this white family had saved quote-unquote this black person Mm -hmm. and had contributed to their success mm. when really this person i remember hearing um michael or because he was on the ravens i believe and i remember mm-hmm. him speaking out against this movie because he was really upset and he was like everyone you know it's making me seem like i was i didn't get this on my own mm-hmm. like i didn't try of course these people supported me but i remember there's a lot of controversy about that so i just want your guys to take both of your opinions on the white savior any examples of that you know for me personally, I, I can't speak on the blind side right now because I haven't seen it in so long. So I, I, I can't speak on that. But what I can speak on is recently, actually. Uh, but yeah, me and Jade actually saw something recently. Uh, it was The Banker. And so at the end of The Banker, uh, it, it was about this, uh, this family uh, uh, owning one of the first black-owned banks. And it was with Samuel Jackson and Anthony Mackie. And at the end of the movie... They end up going to jail because uh, one of their white helpers, who is the the face of the organization, because if people saw that the face of this bank was black people, they would shut it down. So they had one of their friends who was a white person um, as the face of it. And when things went downhill, they ended up being arrested for something the white person actually did. It was his fault. And he actually ratted them out and they got more time and he either received very little time or no time at all and then towards the end they show the white character telling these black characters oh well i didn't uh there's a house that i bought for you guys that they didn't know about or something along those lines so it just made it seem like oh even though he ratted them out when they get out of jail there's still a house for them at the end because of what this uh, white guy did for them and i i just went on that movie like thinking like why did they have to like make it seem like he was like a hero when he did when he, you know, sold them out at the end. So I know you kind of had the similar feeling of that when you saw the movie too. I don't know if you mm-hmm. have another example. I can't think of one right now, but I did. I've had that feeling a couple of times watching a movie where 
I felt like, oh, they just put this character in to be mm -hmm. the white savior. <laughs> I know another good example that's recent is the Green Book. I don't know if you've oh, seen it. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. Um, but yeah, I heard. Yeah, that that was a really big example, and the family on that movie as well um, spoke out. And I personally, I feel like even watching the movie. I mean, the whole point of the movie was not only to highlight, you know, this black musician, mm -hmm. but also was to talk of what the green book actually was and the importance of it and i don't know for people who don't know I'm, I'm sure you all do you all are amazing educated people but um the green book is a book that was given to um people who were traveling into the south and it had a list of uh, restaurants and hotels that they could stay in that were for quote-unquote colored people and so this movie is called the green book and it's about um this musician and this italian american guy traveling through the south so he can perform his name is slipping me which is horrible but so he can perform at these places mm -hmm. and he brings along he hires this white italian guy to come and help him stay safe during this and um they kind of talk about that dynamic about how they have to stay in two different places but in my opinion they really didn't really talk about the actual green oh, book itself point. like i just feel like i as a viewer if i didn't go out and do my own history i or on my own research, research i wouldn't have known too much of what the green book actually was right. yeah but that's what the green book was about and um or the green book itself like mm -hmm. historically and in the movie i really didn't get a grasp of what the green book was Interesting. i the story of the person whose name is slipping me i feel like i didn't get his full story mm -hmm. i just feel like and at the end of the movie spoiler alert he <laughs> ended up having like christmas dinner with this white guy's family mm. so they like i don't know they just made it seem like you know what i mean it just wasn't it didn't it didn't amplify this person's success mm -hmm. it didn't explain what the green book was in my opinion and the movie ended with this white italian guy saving the day so and it wasn't it probably because it was written i think forgive me if i'm wrong by the son or grandson of the character, the white character. Could be, know? I don't know. So, Could be. of course, he's going to write it from his white perspective. Mm -hmm. And again, that's why I'm saying it comes back down to the people behind the camera, the creators, um, to write about, you know, the black experience properly. Then that's not to say... Because I have to watch myself here. That's not to say that as a black director or a black writer that, I mean, as a white director or white writer that you cannot create a story about black people. Um, look at the color purple. I think Steven Spielberg did a fantastic job. Absolutely. Um, I'm just saying, I think Denzel Washington said this very well on an interview that I don't remember when it was. You know what I'm talking, you know yes, what I'm saying. Yes, yes. Um, it's not about the color, it's, it's color about thing. the it's culture. culture. <laughs> yes, it's not a color thing, it's a culture thing. So, of course, you can create whatever art you want to create. But, the fact of the matter is, people who have shared cultural experiences will be able to talk about and show those cultural experiences more accurately and, and genuinely. Um, and so that's where you might get the discrepancy um, between, especially when you're talking about, you know, historical events, and then, you know, you have the the point of view from two different people. Each of those people are going to write it in a different way. So had the family of the Black character 
written this movie, I'm sure it would have. It would have been completely yeah. different. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I heard that the family had some grievances about it yeah. as well, which I'm sure I don't I don't blame them because the way I, you know, saw it, no shade to it, but <laughs> I just personally uh, wasn't that big of a fan of the movie. Um, but also too, aside from movies and stuff, both of you have been in commercials and Jade, you were, um, a model for Starbucks for that one ad (laughs) and, um, Mark was on, yeah, and you had the cute little sunglasses (laughs) and Mark, you were on The Last OG and Blue Bloods, Mm -hmm. um, so, FBI's Most Wanted, FBI's, yeah, so aside from just movies and stuff, if you want to talk more on that experience with commercials or modeling jade because you've done some beautiful shoots mark with any other of the tv shows you did if either you just want to talk about those experiences and you know kind of wrap that up please go ahead me personally i haven't really uh felt any type of way based on like how i was cast or anything i guess you could say that i've been typecasted in, in the certain in the certain roles i've been in like in blue bloods and the last og so in blue bloods i was uh i was just you know some punk kid messing around in front of some building with my friends some cops came and then <laughs> the door hit my foot and i said hey you hit my foot and then we're just uh antag- you know messing with these cops and then they kind of just like walk away and we're still like cursing at them and throwing stuff at them. And then the last OG, it was comedic, but we were in a, a, a shootout with an opposing gang. But And then this woman that everybody respects walks uh, walks by and me and the other leader of the opposing gang, we come out to help her and walk her across the street. And then once we see she's safe, we start shooting. Yeah, those are the only uh, two ones I feel like I've been typecasted in, I guess um so some a lot of the auditions i i guess i would say i've had have uh followed that pattern similarly not so much anymore it's kind of like spread out but uh for that i could just speak on because i was casting those things my manager is probably like putting out more roles like that because he says oh well that was that's what was getting him success so i pushed that out for him more so but obviously as actors in general we would like to get more diverse things but obviously, you know, as a as a as a black man, you also want to not always be the stereotypical black guy. So I didn't think about it like that in the moment because obviously I'm casting something, so I'm happy about that. But I guess when you think about it from a outside perspective, then it could look a certain type of way. What about you, Jade? Well, I haven't been cast in a. TV show, so I can't speak. Oh, well, like, yeah, you are. You that's right. That oh yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> I was in Homicide City. That was like it. it that's and more like even a even when that came out, you forgot you were you forgot that it came on TV. I yeah, did. we stayed up. I did. When the, <laughs> when I get really like nervous or anxious about something, like I just I do the work and I try to like leave it because I'll think about it and overthink and and uh, criticize my work and. So I just do it and I forget about it. But yeah, so I, I did do that. Um, no, I didn't. I haven't experienced aside from that voiceover thing that I mentioned earlier. I don't think I've experienced, at least to my knowledge, any type of um, stereotyping or unfair treatment on set or during the casting process. Well, I was gonna <laughs> say too, um, if any of you have any really great 
movie recommendation, documentary recommendation, TV show recommendation that people who want to support, um, you know, BI, POC actors, ones that are historically and, you know, accurate, like, um, a documentary that I would recommend is 13th on Netflix. It's about mm-hmm. mass incarceration. Uh, if either you have any movies or documentaries or TV shows that you recommend, definitely uh, let us know now so everyone can go out and learn. Definitely when they see us. It's on Netflix. Yeah, 100%. Uh, that's about the in, uh, Exonerated Five now, uh, but they were previously known as the Central Park Five, mm-hmm. and they were wrongfully convicted of raping a white woman when there was no evidence against them at all and the justice system uh forced them and basically blackmailed them into saying on their tapes that well don't tell them about the whole show well this is this is you could look this up this actually happened this is actually history um but yeah they actually blackmailed them to do that when they were kids without having lawyers or their parents there underage Mm -hmm. uh one thing i would recommend is the hate you the hate you give Great movie. I really love that movie. I thought you were going to say Malcolm X. That's and true. I was, and obviously <laughs> Malcolm X. I put, oh, I, I said that on my Instagram story a while ago. But, but yeah, definitely Malcolm X. That's it. And if you could read the book, obviously, too, the autobiography of Malcolm X. Uh, but yeah, that that is a great informative storytelling on one of the great civil rights activists of our time. And The Hate You Give is, is also just a good story about... Um, police brutality. Police brutality and... Uh, our culture and how and how um we're viewed to the outside world or or how we believe the outside world views us and to just to see things from a, another perspective basically and i'll definitely recommend that it's a good watch yeah jade any any other ones that are off the top of your head oof the pressure <laughs> oh i know a, a tv show um that i wrote down dear white people that's a good TV oh. show. Um, on also on Netflix. Yeah, it's a yeah. movie and a TV show. The movie, oh, yeah, the movie's not on Netflix, but the TV show. Yeah, on I'm Netflix. talking about the TV. Yeah, show. the t- the first two seasons are really good. Yeah, the I the first agree. season's the best. Yeah, the first. Well, season obviously, second the first season is second season is okay. It's also a little spicy, so I would watch it um, on p- your own. P- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is some sexual content, so please bear that in mind. And drug use. And drug use. Yes. But yeah, all right. Well, Jade, thank you so much. Thank you guys for for having me on. Thanks for being our guest. You guys are adorable. We're actually all going to be moving in together next year. Yeah. (laughs) I really love what you guys are doing with this podcast, too, by the way. Keep keep it up. Keep it up. We love you. Thanks for your support. Thanks. Anytime. I guess we'll right. see you upstairs soon. Yeah, we'll see you upstairs. Um, Mark and I, I will do be back. leave my house. I don't know what they made me sound like on no, here, no, no, but no. I do leave my house. But it's COVID, you know? Yeah. I'm no, quarantining. No. We were just saying we were in the basement. We were hanging out in the basement. But um, Mark and I will be right back to play a game. So Ooh. stay tuned. Bye, Hi guys, we're hello, back. Hello. I've been going through it. Right. Oh my god. Well, Jade was amazing. I'm so happy we had her on. I love her so much. She's incredible. And I hope you guys enjoyed her too. She's okay. Thanks, Jade, again, if you're listening to this. But alright, we're gonna end 
our episode by playing a game like last time. So, Mark, if you want to explain the game, because you're the one who uh, taught it to me. Yeah, I love this game. It's called uh, Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. So basically, we name two actors and we try to get from one actor to the other based on the movies one has been in. Also, side note, Mark loves Kevin Bacon for literally no reason. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is. I just I just really love that guy. <laughs> just a random actor that I really like. But, alright, today I asked you guys who your favorite actor or actress was, so we're going to use your uh, submissions. So, Mark, I'll pick ones for you. So, let's start with, someone said Leonardo DiCaprio, which is Mark's favorite actor. So let's do Leonardo DiCaprio. Me, come on. <laughs> no, come let's on. do Leonardo DiCaprio to Saoirse Ronan. That's actually a really good one. Yeah. Saoirse Ronan. I love okay, her. Okay, okay, so all right, let's try to think of more than there. Okay, so Leonardo DiCaprio was in Inception with Michael Caine. Michael Caine was in The Dark Knight with Morgan Freeman. Now, Morgan Freeman was in Wanted with uh, James McAvoy. James McAvoy was in Atonement with Saoirse Ronan. Fact check me. Fact check me. Good job. I'm really bad at this game, but... Okay, so you can you pick two from the list. I'm so bad at this game. Okay. I'm going to say... Johnny Depp to Lakeith Stanfield. Oh, I love Lakeith Stanfield. I'm You're never gonna get he's it. He's so hot. Okay. Um Johnny Depp was in Johnny Depp was in You watch all those Johnny Depp movies I know. with your friend. Yeah, shout out to Sarah. Sarah um, can't even growing up, oh. Sarah um made me watch all the Johnny Depp movies because she was obsessed with them. Um, but now I can't remember any. Um, okay, so Johnny Depp was in Alice in Wonderland with, isn't Anne, Anne Hathaway? I didn't see that movie. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, Anne, <laughs> Anne Hathaway is in that movie. Okay. Um, okay, so, because she's the white queen. All right. Okay, so Johnny Depp is in I know she's not the black Allison... queen. Go <laughs> Johnny Depp is in Alice in Wonderland with Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway is in... Um, Devil Wears Prada with Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep is in <clears throat> Mamma Mia with Amanda Seyfried. Seyfried. Amanda Seyfried is in Mean Girls with Rachel McAdams. Where are you going with this? I have no idea. <laughs> Rachel McAdams is in The Notebook with Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling <laughs> is in... I don't think you're going to get me <laughs> to Crazy Stupid Love with Emma Stone. Emma, can I have a new one? No. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, try to, try to work backwards. We're ba okay, so let's go backwards and backwards. Okay. Lakeith Stanfield is in Someone Great with Brittany Snow. Brittany Snow is in Hairspray with Zac Efron. Uh, one of my friends said, you can get to anyone with an Avenger. 
Dean Stanfield was in Knives Out, remember? remember yeah, was in why, Knives are Out? You, why are you doing my job? Because you're taking forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, he was in Knives Out with Chris Evans. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... You got to Johnny Depp to Meryl Streep. I'm sure you could connect Meryl Streep Wait, to... No, I liked how... Where I, where I was I, going I'm with it. Okay, you messed me up. Okay, okay, I got it. So, Lakeith Stanfield was in Hairspray with Amanda Seyfried. Wait, ah! Wait, Lakeith Stanfield was in someone... Lakeith Stanfield was in someone great with the... With... Britney Snow. Britney Snow is in Hairspray with Zac Efron. Zac Efron was in The Greatest Showman with Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman was in Les Mis with Anne Hathaway, and Anne Hathaway was in Alice in Wonderland with Johnny Depp. Wow, it took you a while, but you finally got there. <laughs> but, but that that I think we're done here, folks. Thank I... you for <laughs> listening again to another episode, episode two. Uh, again, thank you for thank you so much for listening to episode one. Mm-hmm. and we appreciate you guys and yeah. yeah thank you so much for the love support we appreciate you we can't wait to go on this journey with you guys and talk to you soon yeah all right stay tuned see you guys i put the new 4g's on the g i tap into the bloody bottoms is underneath because all my niggas got it out the streets i keep a hundred racks inside my g i remember hitting them all with a whole team